White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 725. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. From the Palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois and somewhere in Ohio, which I still haven't quite figured out. (laughs) It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Andy, how are you tonight? I'm doing wonderful, Van. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to talk Babylon 5 with you again, as we do every fortnight, as the British say, I believe. Yeah. I I have something to to mention about what you just said about somewhere in Ohio. Yes. I I was watching Quantum Mania with my wife the other night, and, and Kang said that, you know, I've got to get out of this place. They banished me here, and I, I have to leave. And he was just going on and on about how he hated the place he was, which was the quantum realm. And from the other room, my son pipes up, is he in Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yep, yep, yep. Well, Sorry, I, didn't mean for, to derail us. Man, not even not even a minute into the show, I've already derailed us. <laughs> for, for me, that was Alabama, and I did escape a number of years ago. And I do enjoy going back occasionally, very occasionally, but that's about it. So, Right. Well, we are gathered here in this fine evening to talk about uh, a brand new episode this week. We are into the second half of season four. And stuff actually is happening now. We are we can put aside all of our little whiny complaints about not enough happening, and we can say, you know what, there's some stuff happening. There's stuff, some stuff is definitely happening. happening, yeah. But I, I tell you what, I, I have thoughts about this episode because it did not strike me this time around anywhere near the way it did before, and we have to talk that out among our many other things that we normally talk about. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that because I I have I have thoughts too. All right, well it's a good thing because here we are doing a podcast. Right. Our listeners expect us to have content. a few thoughts. We we have content. Yes, yeah, we could. I mean, we could just do the whole thing as yeah, we watched it. It was a show. Eh. Yeah, but no, we're not going to make Andy spit wine all over the place. Uh, but no, no. Uh, yeah, this is the absolute. This is the White Rocket Babylon Five Review Podcast, and we are back to talk about moments of transition. The episode four hundred and fourteen. I'm going to get to that in just a minute, but we always have a couple of items of business to get to first. One of those is. This show does not have ads. We are one of the few podcasts, honestly, left, at least the ones that I ever listened to, that does not have ads. And the reason, yeah, the reason we don't have ads, we're never going to interrupt you and pop some loud mouth commercial into the middle of our proceedings here, is because of our great patrons. And if you'd like to be part of that fun, part of our family, and help keep the show going and keep us from having to run stupid commercials, just go to www.b5review.com, www.b5review.com, 
and uh, click on the button to become a patron, or you can just go to Patreon. Just go to Patreon, log in, and uh, look. Just search for White Rocket Reviews. Right, that's it. And yep. uh, because we do review other things besides Babylon Five, but on this show we mostly do that. And um, yeah, there you go. I, I'm assuming that we will once again review the upcoming season of Foundation and stick that one into this feed too as a bonus for our listeners. And we will review, as we did last time, the Dune, the second Dune movie. And we'll stick that one in here. It's basically things that, that we think our listeners would be interested in. Right. You won't get the football podcast stuffed in there. No. No, that's right. We do have the White Rocket Entertainment Network, the White Rocket Podcast channel, and it has occasional other shows that some more or less fit into this feed, but I pretty much keep them separate in their own feed. So if you want to hear other shows, Andy's been on a couple, I think, and I have a number of other co-hosts and guests and so forth. Um, just go and just go to your podcast app and search for White Rocket Entertainment. You'll probably get this show and another show called the White Rocket Podcast, and that's the one. And then it, again, we just talk about various other. We talk about books, comics, movies, TV shows, whatever. Andy, we've been threatening to do for all mankind for a while now. I hope that we can eventually get around to doing that. We've had other yes. things kind of get in the way. Right. Yeah. It's another really great show that I think Babylon 5 people would enjoy. Um, okay. And the other thing is we want to see if there's any news going on. Now, there's a little bit of news related to the animated movies. But, uh, so do you have anything about that or anything else you want to bring up before? Uh, they have not uh, – it's kind of a officially, unofficially – released uh, some screenshots of the uh, the movie um, showing the animation style. And I, I thought it looked fine. Yeah. I, 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 I don't... I, what are your thoughts on... on, on the? I, I'm assuming you've seen the screenshots of the animation style. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we knew these characters were in it, so it's not a spoiler. Um, right. I've seen screenshots of, like, Sheridan and Delenn yep. and, and some other character I didn't recognize, and then Dr. Zathras. Franklin. You're probably thinking of Dr. Franklin because he had white hair. So it was probably Dr. Uh, Franklin from the, the future. An older one. Okay. And then Zathras, yeah. of course. And Zathras, Zathras right. Good. And I know I thought the animation, I thought the art, we don't know about the animation, right. yet, but the exactly. art, I thought it looked fine. I mean, it could have been maybe better. It could have been worse, but I thought it was good. And right. the, the general consensus I've heard from people is it's just going to come down to the story anyway, right? What we right. want is a good story, good dialogue, and all that. Exactly. I've seen a lot of people come out and just totally hating it and saying I'm not going to watch it and I'll never uh, watch it now. That looks horrible. I don't know where these people are coming from because I don't know what their what their expectations were. I mean, this is Babylon Five, you yeah. know, an animated movie thirty years after the fact. Somebody's not going to be pumping. Somebody said, "Why can't they do it like the the Star Wars cartoons or the Into the Spider Verse?" I'm like, "Are you kidding <laughs> me? That's Disney and and." Sony, they have billions of dollars they can pump into their right. their product. This is Babylon Five. You know, War- I don't even think Warner's is funding this. I think this was independently funded. So, I, I don't know what they're expecting. And to to the, to what you were saying, Babylon Five is all we have always lived with. You know, on a shoestring budget effects mm-hmm. and and uh, set design and stuff like that. The the TV show has never looked spectacular i mean it's looked good for its budget but it's never been you know to the level of a star trek show or anything like that and we all know that and we love it anyway because it is all about the story so if this story holds up to the the babylon tv babylon 5 tv series writing i'll live with you know the the uh the basic animation you know i'm totally fine with that yeah two things one is it's we've always loved babylon 5 in the way that we love 
that we love the old Doctor Who, which is that yes, it was the budget was twelve bucks. It's for the characters that we love and the stories that we enjoy. And number two, we've we've spent many a minute on this podcast talking about like the set for the council. Yep. I mean, <laughs> it's it, it's good to poke fun. You know, it's fun to poke fun at that. But yeah. I I don't think we. I don't think if you're a true Babylon Five fan, you're not going to not watch. Right. the movie because of the animation level. I mean, that's that's just silly. Right. I, I just have very little to no patience for these folks who live to go on social media and proudly proclaim that they are not doing something and they hate something. I'm just like, right. cool, go away. I don't care. I don't, right. you don't, you, you want to poo poo it, go poo poo it somewhere else. You want to pee in somebody's cereal, go pee in somebody else's cereal. I'm not interested right. in listening to your negativity. I'm just not. Right. It, Especially when they're basing it on three leaked screenshots from a computer screen. I mean, yeah. there's no way to tell what the animation style is even like. So yeah. it's it's just so we'll see. And and yeah. so we got in a few days before our next episode, right? We they will release something, right? In the middle of June, or like June 14th or something. They're gonna. I believe so. Yeah. That's, re- yeah, that's a, not even a week away. I think that's the trailer. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. We'll we'll know a lot more. Right. In fact, some folks listening to this episode when it's new may wait a few days and less than a week, and they'll know a lot more than we know right now. So right. if you've already and I seen hope the... our, I hope our Patreons leave a lot of comments on, on oh, yeah. that trailer. That'd be good. Because I would love to, to spend a, just a whole segment talking about it next time yeah. we record. I think yeah, that'd be great. that'd be great. So we'll see. Um, that was all the news I had was just the animated show, the Apparently the the uh, the reboot show is still kind of in limbo, mainly because now the writers strike. So we right. don't know what yeah. to think about that. So the fact that yeah. the fact that he had to say that all all production or not production but all movement has been halted on that because of the writer strike indicates that there was some things going on in the background that that weren't publicized until they were put on pause. There was the something they to pause. Right, there was something to pause, so that's a good thing. That, yeah, that's true. That's, yeah, um, I, in a tangential but related way, because Babylon Five is Warner and was owned and was on HBO for a while and everything. HBO Max. I saw a report today on Twitter that said that the the main reason. Did you see this? The main reason they changed from HBO Max to just Max. Mm-mm. They said that it somebody and, and I don't know if this is true or not. I'm just throwing it out there because it, it, it sounds like it could be true, but do with it grain of salt and all that, right? But somebody said the reason they changed it from HBO Max to just Max is that all the writers' contracts were stipulated on these shows appearing on HBO. And if it's oh. not on HBO, they don't have to pay them. And somebody said, <laughs> this is why we're on strike, people. I, I, I don't know what to say to that. I, I, I can't really respond to speculation on the Internet. Yeah, but I mean that. Um, if that's true, it a it doesn't surprise me, and b right. kind of disgusting. It wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me one bit because these people. I, I've seen comments from Hollywood executives that are like, "We can just have AI write this stuff. It's all formula. You know, yes. we can have AI write it. We don't need writers. We don't need writers. And you know yeah. what? Writers are the smallest budget. Oh yeah. Uh, out of out of everybody involved on the creative side of the show, you've got your your. Your writers, your actors, your director, you know, the producer, they they all get millions. The writers get a pittance and they want to, they want to cut the writers. 
that's why Joe Straczynski says, I mean, I've read his a couple of his books on this, and he says, you know, it was the same way with James Clavell. Um, you know, if you want to write something, become a producer. That way you can write it and control it and make the money. And they both did that. Yep. Pretty smart. And who, who else was that? Was, uh, who was the guy who wrote uh, Jurassic Park? Oh, uh, Crichton. Yeah, Crichton became a director and a producer and all that stuff. Even yeah. long before Jurassic Park. He was yeah. he was doing all that stuff in Hollywood, so yeah, yeah, that's right. And then after he took over the Thirteenth Warrior, fired I guess McTiernan and went back and redirected the movie. So, Did he? Yeah, that's uh, it has a different soundtrack and, and a different ending than the original. I've always wanted to see the uh, not the director's cut, but I guess it literally would be the director's cut rather than the producer's right. cut because the only cut we have of Thirteenth Warrior is the producer's cut. We've never I seen like the, the director's cut. I love it. It's in my top five. Yeah. I love it. Anyway, anyway. We are he- we're here tonight to talk about 414 Moments of Transition. And this one is production number 414, as I said. Originally aired. I love these originally aired things because I think back to when I first saw it, right? Uh, this right. one originally aired May 19th, 1997, depending on what city you lived in and how you were receiving it, on what channel and everything. That probably right. means for me it was like 3 o'clock in the morning on May 20th <laughs> or something like that, because that's how it was in the fourth season. We had a midnight Saturday nights on the, the local Fox affiliate. That's crazy. Yeah, I've told the story many times now. I won't bore yep. you to death of how I had to record it and watch it at 7 o'clock or at lunch break of my school teaching. Um so, written by JMS, directed by Tony Dow. Hmm. Another Tony Dow episode. I believe that's yep. the kid from Leave It to Beaver, right, that we talked about yeah. before. Right. Yes, it and, is. Uh, Wally, I think. Yeah. And, oh, here's always the fun thing, the P5 rating. Again, when the show originally aired, the Lurker's Guide polled hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of Babylon 5 fans every week and said, give us a rating on it between 0 and 10. And they then um, like ag- aggregated out the votes, and they came up yep. with what they call the P5 rating. And Andy gets to guess what the P5 rating was. We should have been doing this from the very beginning. But, we we uh, should have been. We're, we're oh, going to have to well. do a, a remastered version of all of our <laughs> older said, ones. Hey, I tried. I've said that before. All right. I'm going to say uh, 8.2. All right. So what we've determined over the last few weeks is that you always guess too low because it when it was new people were more excited about it than going back and rewatching it 40 years 30 years later right, right. so you've been underestimating right so you la- la- last episode i think i got it pretty close okay i can't remember but i don't doubt it yeah so tell us again your number and do you are you firm on it or do you want to adjust it at all uh. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll give it an eight points eight point seven. Eight point seven. <laughs> the P Andy says eight point seven. The P five rating for this episode is eight point seven three. Look at that. I you adjusted it up a half a percentage. I, I did. A point I, I, I thought eight point two, but you know what? I was off by half a point last last episode, <laughs> so I figure I'd bump it up another half. Eight point seven three. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's, that's really good. That's some might say generous. Ge- generous is is a good term for it. Yeah, and we're going to talk about why that might be. All right. So, right. is it your turn to do the summary? Uh, yes, it is. I've got mine mine ready. So, um, the Minbari Civil War 
comes to an end dramatically, like very dramatically. Out of nowhere, I got to say. Okay. Right, right. And a new government needs to be formed. Uh, Lita goes to, is trying to find work and goes to Mr. Garibaldi looking for work. Bester comes to Babylon 5 to uh, offer Lita a job. That took me. Or to offer her a proposal so she can maybe get a job. I had totally forgotten Bester was involved in this one. He can't hear yeah. out of nowhere. And then there's like a, a D plot with, uh, it comes in, it's like from a different episode right at the very end with um, uh, Sheridan and, and uh, Ivanova. Ivanova. Yes, and Clark. Clark, yeah. So Which that, is really, really setting up the next thread. It is. It is. And I, I have thoughts on that too. Okay. Um, I, I got so much to say here, but let me go ahead and finish out this part. Notable guest stars. There are several. Mm-hmm. Walter Koenig is Bester. Yep. All hail. John Vickery. And this is, this yep. was, I thought, one of Bester's best episodes. Yeah. That's fair. I'm not sure which one. I he's They give him different things to do every single time, right. and they react differently to him every single time. You know, sometimes right. they hate him. Sometimes they're working with him. Sometimes they cooperate. Sometimes they yeah. don't. This time they mostly ignored him, other than Zach. Right, yeah. And Garibaldi, I guess. They all kind yeah. of ignored him. Sheridan didn't even know I was there. Sheridan was in the, the episode for like all of a minute and a half. Yeah. So um, John Vickery, and I don't think it's a shock to anybody to say his final, since he was disintegrated, <laughs> his final turn as Neroon. Yeah. So I hope you hope you enjoyed Neroon because that was it for Neroon. Bart McCarthy as Shakiri, the head yeah. of the Warrior cast. Christy Noonan as businesswoman. That must be the lady that was interviewing Lita. Yes. And finally... I, I know who this is. Scott, Scott Adams, Adams as Mr. Adams, of which I have yeah. a few things to say as well, but not right now. Yeah. All right. Right. So, um, I've got things to say about the episode, but I want to... Let's stick to our formula, and we can kind of... Well, I tell you what. I tell you what, because I think we both have, like, macro things to say about it. I get that yeah. sense. I know I do. So Are you let's, calling an audible? I, let's go ahead and clear the deck All right. and just get the kind of 30,000 foot view thing out of the way and then we can go into... I don't want to dig too deep in the details when we're still sitting here having issues with the big right. picture. You know what I mean? So let's get the big yeah. picture out of the way and talk about so the, ep- just, the episode just for, our li- just for our listeners, this is not preordained or predetermined. This is Van calling the plays on the field. On the field, yes. All right. I like it. Um, so let me kick it off here to keep the football thing going, Motif. And then I'll, <laughs> I'll let you I'll let you kind of vent your spleen about it, and then I will. So, all right. I'm just going to set it up. So my thing is... Two, two, two main things. One, I had forgotten. Like when I looked at the episode titles list, I was looking three, two, three, four episodes into the future for when the events of part of this episode take place, the Minbari stuff. Yep. I thought we still had weeks to go on this. So, excuse me, I got the hiccups. So, number one, it surprised me. It came so soon. Okay. And then number two, I felt like it. There wasn't enough to it. What was there was good, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like they start a civil war. Two episodes go by, and in an, and in an episode mainly about something completely unrelated, Lita, we and Bester, 
they kind of tack on at the end. Oh, and here's the resolution of Delenn's whole, you know, and Lanier's whole Minbari Civil War thing. So, what was your thought about that? And then you go about whatever else you have on your mind about it. So, my thought on on that, uh, kind of what you were saying, it was, it seemed very truncated because if you look at the Shadow War, how many seasons did that take up? You know, three oh, seasons. Yes. You look at this Clark thing that's been going on for four seasons now, yep. and. Uh, uh, the and same with the the Centauri, you know the, all the drama with the Centauri. That was a good three seasons of that. You know all all the political machinations going and on they, there. And they ain't done this, right. And the, the Minbari Civil War is as least as important as as the the Centauri War was. Yep. At least, and it, yep. it it's it's one of the three major races, and it's a huge, uh, pivotal shift in their entire society. Yep. And for it to get shoved into three or four episodes. Um, yeah, it was kind of shocking. And just like the um, last 12 minutes. Right. Well, I mean, in this episode, this episode, the majority of the episode was, well, I don't even know if it was the majority. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it yeah, th- there was a lot going on in this episode and that I, I have feelings about, I, I have, I have parsed out my feelings on season four. Now I know we've had this discussion all, you know, the past four or five episodes here, but the way that all the storylines are, are, are are i don't know put together to form these these amalgamation episodes mm-hmm. you know they they mm-hmm. just seem like they're frankenstein episodes of a bunch of different stuff put together so when i thought back to season four and i thought all these great storylines and all these great episodes it's because everything is just stretched out they, they don't have any solid episode for any one of these things they're just mm-hmm. great moments you know smashed into random episodes it seems like yeah. No. I, it seems yeah. like it's instead of it being all these storylines being focused of individual episodes, they just took everything and just spread it out over eight to ten episodes, and then between the end of the Shadow War and the beginning of the the final, you know, push against Clark. Yeah. So if if they had rearranged, and I don't know, maybe it's 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 a side effect of the 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 novelization form of of storytelling that he was doing, but you know earlier seasons. He still hit all the story arcs, but it didn't have this this spread out feeling. This this feeling of this is just so it, it just seems disjointed. Yeah, um, it doesn't seem to be as 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 elegant or as concise as like the Shadow War episodes were, or the the break from Clark episodes were, or even the upcoming episodes are going to be. Um, it it just seems to be like he was treading water when if he had to rearrange some of this stuff. Or I don't know. I don't want to. I, I don't want to criticize his writing because it, it's still, you know, the story itself is great. The individual episodes are not so great. I, I think if he had, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words. Good thing I'm not a writer or anything. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. That makes me th- one thing. I don't want to be too negative, and I don't think we are. Right. But I, no, I don't. Yeah. We enjoy it. We love it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to come across to our listeners as oh we're crapping on it or something. That's not true. Right. Oh, I love this episode. It just wasn't the bang episode. Right. Well, uh, I'm really now curious to. I'm really, I'm really looking forward now to our season four wrap up episode with guests. Yes. Because I want to talk about what we expected this season to be coming in versus how it ended up being in reality. Right. right, That's one thing on my mind. Another thing on my mind is I've always kind of debated with people which was the greatest season of the show, three or four, and I've always leaned more toward four. And now I'm leaning more towards three for the first time. Absolutely. Same here. Yeah. And that's interesting. Yeah. Unexpected. That, that, 
if if you would have told me at the beginning of this, Andy, you're going to switch your allegiance from season four to season three, I would have laughed at you. I'd been like, no way. Season four Babylon five is the best. Ep- the episodes are stronger than season three. It's just there's no way. But now the story is fantastic. But the right. ep- the individual episodes, I think, are, are not as well put together or, or as as. I don't know. They're not as focused as as season three was. Well, I've always made the argument that the reason people like season three more than season four is because people like the setup better than the resolution. Because when a story's being set up, you can make up your own resolutions in your mind and imagine it. When you actually see the resolution, all that goes away and you're left with the creator's resolution instead of yours. And so you're inevitably going to be disappointed with something. Whereas in the setup, you're not necessarily disappointed because it's all setting up. You know what I mean? But I don't, I don't believe that anymore. I now think I that the either. difference between three and four is not setup versus resolution. Right. It's more, like you said, it's more in how the resolution was done, which is right. not, I mean, it's not bad. It's just not great, and it's not what I remembered or expected. And now that gets me to my other point. I think part of it is when we originally watched this at least there was a week in between episodes and maybe months depending on what time of the year and the season it was and i mean i'm watching them every two weeks now for our show but analyzing them critically and microscopically is different than just watching them and waiting two weeks and and so i feel like it i feel like the whole minbari civil war felt longer when i watched it the first time than it felt this and I have watched it more times than one. I've, this is like the fifth time through for me, mm-hmm. but it's been years. Okay, and I feel like in the past this did not seem so abrupt. Right, and and I was absolutely astonished that we got the entire conclusion in like Act Four of one episode, not even the whole episode. Like I said, most of the episode was Lita and Bester and Garibaldi and all that other stuff. And then, oh, meanwhile, on Minbar, and then boom, 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 it's over. I I always remember loving the Minbari Civil War storyline. Yeah, Even when it started, I was like, yeah, that's one of my favorite storylines. But like you said, it was here and gone in the Mm. blink of an eye. I mean, they didn't didn't have any time to breathe. It didn't get the, the... the attention that the Shadow War, the Centauri War, or the Clark War got—it it, just—it was very. I liked the conclusion of it. I liked the way that it, it sorted out how it ended up. You know, I I I I liked the scenes that pertain to it a lot. I thought they were all very powerful scenes. I just wish there was more to it than that. I mean, it 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 needed time to breathe. It needed time to develop and and. Um, it it did feel very abrupt. It's still a cool storyline. It's still a pivotal moment in, in you know one of the major races of the galaxy. It's still really cool. Um, it, it just I don't know. It, it I don't think it got the the time that that it deserved. And that may have to do with you know the season four being truncated and yeah. a lot of season five yeah. stuff being stuffed in there and stuff That's like true. that. So maybe I mean that's true. I don't know. That's yeah. a good point. That's a good point I hadn't considered. Is that yeah, he did have to sh- to cram everything in, um, because it was around this it was around this time that that he had to start doing that. Yeah, um, yeah because there, there's I think it's episode seventeen or eighteen. I think it's intersections in real time. Yep. 
was supposed to be the original season four finale. That is so correct. there's there's like four episodes, four or five episodes after that. So maybe the the Minbari Civil War did get cut short. Maybe yeah. there was more planned for that they just never got to because they had us cram you know cram that stuff in. Two more things occurred to me then. Yeah, one is um, I look at uh, the titles of the episodes, and I think this is part of what messed me up is having access to the titles in advance now. Mm-hmm. Um. One, two, three, four episodes from now, five. Five episodes from now is called Between the Darkness and the Light. Mm-hmm. That sounded to me like the end of the Minbari Civil War, right? When I saw Between the Darkness and the Light, I thought, oh, that's where it ends. So right. to have it end in moments of transition, I was like, wait, this isn't supposed to happen for several more episodes. That really threw me off. And that's my own fault. I'm not. That's not JMS's fault. That's me just right. making wrong assumptions and stuff. And that's fine. I'll, I'll own that. But my point is that part of it is that it, you know, that I expected it later, and that title kind of made me think that I was right to expect it later. And the other thing I was going to say is. I think that could have. I think that he could have done a lot more with the Membari Civil War. It kind of gets short shrift because we don't get anything like you. You alluded to this a minute ago that you don't get anything like what you get with the Centauri business, right? And part of that is the entirety of the. If you think about it, the entire the entirety of the Membari Civil War can be summed up as different Membari came to Babylon Five to fuss at Delin, and then Delin goes and breaks the staff and breaks the council. And then atonement, and then the last two. That's yep. it. Unless I'm forgetting something, that's it. Yep. There was atonement, was- and there was the one with um, where Lanier had to keep them from killing themselves yeah. on the ship. Right. Yeah. It, it was really only the last two that we even saw. You know, stuff that was actually happening on Minbar, and we didn't even see Shakiri until this episode. Right. He's a one-off. Well, he he showed up in. Two episodes. I was looking on. Did he? Yeah, I was looking. At, I, I looked at his uh, thing on on Wikipedia, and he, they said he was in two episodes. So I don't know okay. if he shows up again, or maybe if he maybe he showed up in a previous one in a minor role. Yeah, interesting. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. All right. So that we, I, I wanted to kind of get that off of my chest and give you a chance to do the same thing, just because. Yep. Again, I, I don't want this to come across as negative. I was really more just puzzled. I was just puzzled. Yeah. I was just yeah. like. Really? That's it? That's it? Okay. Well, I guess. But I, I just, I would have liked one or two more episodes building up to the conflict, right. the Starfire Wheel, and all that. But it was a neat. Right. It was a very Babylon Five way to handle it, and it was neat. And I, and it, and and they did. It was. Like I said, I, I, I did enjoy the resolution. I yeah. just wish it hadn't been one of four plot lines in an episode. You know, I mean, there were three other plot lines going on. Yes, exactly. That was. That was getting you know equal time. at least equal attention. It was like eh, this, you would figure that this would be like a fo- the the main focus of it. I mean, and what it was paired with the other plot lines were had nothing to do with it. Nothing. So it, it had a, a a very disjointed feeling because yes. of that. I mean, it it, it really, yeah. Well, and you know the one other thing I might have liked is. You know, I, I get what Delenn does at the end. She hands essentially control of the entire society over to the worker cast. Uh-huh. You know what I would have liked is an episode or two where we get to know the worker cast people. Exactly. This was the first time we saw yeah worker cast people or named worker cast people. First time that they were even brought up. 
Well, the first two what? or even three seasons, they never even mentioned that the worker cast existed. It was the religious cast, the warrior cast. That was yeah, it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so, if we had had something of, of how this war was affecting them or how the yeah. government... She had she mentioned great things in, in, her, in that speech at the very end. That was it. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Yeah. So that goes back to show, don't tell, you know? Yeah, she basically... Sh- showed that over the past three or four seasons. Yeah. She basically says... You know, they just basically stand around waiting for one of our two casts to tell them what to do. Right. They build That's all. the temples. We the, they build the temples that the religious cast prays in. They build the ships that the warrior cast fights in. That's it. And they bear the brunt of our decisions. That's it. Yeah. It was a good speech, but that was yeah. it. That's right. all the character development we got on the worker cast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So, all right. Well, again, I, I I know we're sounding negative, and I'm sorry about that. It's just it's just not. It's, I'm just going to say it's not anger or even really disappointment so much as it is just kind of. I feel like a lost opportunity. But if it if it was yeah. because of the state the, the season being truncated and everything, then I get it. There's really nothing you could do about it. Right. But uh, it would have been nice. How nice would it have been for this to have been a like part of season five? Yes. God could season five have used this. The what ups and the could have been the yeah. Oh, oh man, season oh, five yeah. used this. All right. Well, anyway. Yeah. We'll, we so, can. But we the, can yeah. This is a, the, our show. Our podcast is analysis, not not criticism. Right. We're just analyzing. Right. What was so? Well, I I call upon our listeners and particularly our patrons who have their own avenue of contacting us. Give us your thoughts on what what Andy and I have been kind of talking about here. Uh, did did you get a sense that it was just right, or that it ended kind of abruptly, or would you have liked it to go further, or and why do you think that is? Just basically, I'm curious what our great, especially our patrons who are all very thoughtful and enjoy communicating their ideas to us. I'm curious on what they, how right. they saw it. So I'm looking forward Same to here. maybe having some good messages in our next episode. I mean, this is this is Babylon Five is my favorite TV show of all time. So I'm definitely not hating on B Five oh, at all. Same, you know, other, other, 100%. other than War Without End, I think it's a spectacular. <laughs> Andy watches War Without End and goes. <laughs> you know, I did give it a three point five. So. <laughs> I just can't believe we're still litigating War Without End. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, I have. Do you have any f- random factoids and notes about this episode? I, 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 the only one that I found was the discussion of the uh, the Minbari uh, that that scene with the the wheel of what, what Starfire wheel. wheel Starfire, Starfire wheel. wheel. That whole that was supposed to be like a major stadium, like Olympic sized stadium with yeah. tens of thousands of people in it. And while it did certainly look better than the, the, the council chambers on Babylon 5, as far as, you know, giving it a look of grandeur, um, even the director of the episode said he was disappointed with, with how it actually looked on screen. He said it looked flat. Yeah. Um, it, 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 he said it was very difficult to get what they wanted because of the, the lights that they were using, you know, the lights from the top down. They couldn't film it in a, in a big studio Right, you know where they could afford, where they could have the, the the space to make it look grand because of the lights. They had to have those lights shine straight down on people, and for that, you can't have that you know fifty feet in the ceiling or forty feet up in the ceiling because the light would be too dispersed. So they try to do it with matte paintings and and cardboard standees and all that stuff, and it, it the effect wasn't quite the same. It's just another but, example of the limitations of the effects and the money. Right? That's, yeah, going back to that. what we were talking about earlier, they get yeah. an A for effort for sure. 
This is why I've always wished that Straczynski would just write the entire Babylon 5 story as a giant novel or series of novels so we could have an unlimited special effects budget in our head, right? And we can just imagine a giant stadium full of Mimbari all cheering and hollering instead of trying to show it on a little TV budget. It's just... Right. You know, this shows... This show's ambition, some you know, quite often exceeds its grasp. I'm afraid, right? Tries, which is you know, kind of the the theme song for Babylon Five. Yes, <laughs> that's that that is that is their mantra. They 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 go they they reach for more than what they even know that they can can get, and they usually come out you know looking pretty pretty good for oh, yeah. for their efforts. They use every trick in the book from yep. early CGI to plywood. <laughs> Right. You know, whatever they have to do, and they right. do a pretty dang good job with it, considering that it's in a hot tub factory in L.A. Right. Um, right. All right, I have a few things for you. The title of this episode echoes Jakar's closing monologue in Zaha Doom, where he says, The future is all around us, waiting in moments of transition to be born yep. in moments of revelation. No one knows the shape of that future or where it will take us. We know only that it always is always born in pain. And that was certainly true for Neroon and I guess Shakiri yeah. too. Um, I was just noticing at the very beginning of this episode, they really needed iPhones on Babylon 5. <laughs> you know, because everything is on a big TV screen up on the wall. So yeah. when Garibaldi gets an eye message, he has to get out of bed, put his clothes on, go over, turn on the TV, and stand there whining and complaining. Right. Whereas if he had his iPhone, he could just pick it up, look at it, right. set it back down, turn off the blue, turn off the Wi-Fi or whatever, you know, put it on airplane, put it, put, put it on shuttle mode, put it on Omega Destroyer mode, and uh, go back to sleep. So. Um, and this was only ten years before the the iPhone came out, so yeah, that's right, exactly ten years. And yet, I mean, nobody predicted it, but right. it does seem like they'd have some kind of personal communication device. And that leads me into my big thing for this week. You may have seen me mentioning this on Facebook or whatever, Andy. But I've, you know, our listeners that are regular know that I've been working for a long time on a near future military sci fi novel, and this is not like some long term ambition. In the future, it would be my 21st novel. So, you know, I've done 20 before this. But this is one that I've been working on and off for a long time. But the problem I keep running into with it, and this is this highlights it. This is why I'm bringing this up is because this highlights it exactly, is that science fiction has always been notably bad at predicting the little mundane things, right? Like science fiction likes to, pre- pre- to predict light, you know, transporters and warp drive and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to things like an interface with communications or like how you fly a spaceship or how you communicate with somebody, honestly, the one that's always been the closest in some ways is the communicator on Star Trek. Right. Right. I mean, to the point that they made cell phones on purpose to remind you of those, you know, (laughs) oh, we make it a flip phone, right? Right. And that was on purpose so everybody could be Captain Kirk, Colin Scotty and whatever. But, But that turned out not to be the 23rd century, but the 21st. Right. We already have it, basically. So the problem I keep running into, and I've rewritten parts of my book like twice now on this, and I'm wanting to change it again, is that when you show people communicating in the near future, they didn't have little personal communication. I know they had their thing on their on their hand, but Garibaldi didn't have that. But you don't have to be in the military to have an iPhone. Right. 
So I would think that people on Babylon 5, instead of having a machine that prints out a paper newspaper, <laughs> right? Instead, they'd have their phone or their iPad or something. And this is the 23rd century. They should have. So what is it like? And I mean, the closest that we ever see in pop culture these days to trying to predict that, have you noticed that they, they always have f- iPhones and iPads that are transparent? Right. That's how like Hollywood tells you, oh, this is a future version of your phone or your iPad because it's transparent or you can extend yeah. it or unfold yeah. it. Or my favorite, you can put it up in the air like Tony Stark. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's kind of as far as they've got that's that's what I'm talking about is that interface. How you yep. communicate and interact with technology and with other people across distance. Okay. So I had my characters, you know, the first time I wrote the book using standard radios communications like that and this said a hundred years from now i'm like well that's out so i had to go back and give them all like glasses with like retina like almost like the oasis you know like it paints on your on your retina and shows you the picture and you can and now apple's already got that basically so now i'm like if 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 my 2098 technology is available in 2023 I got to go back again and come up with what they got in 2098. And again, science fiction is always poor, poor at predicting where that most basic kind of technology is going to be in a few years. Uh, you know, I, I will say two things. Two, the movie 2001, did you, when yes. did that come out? 68, my year I was born. There is a scene in there when they're on their, their, their ship and they're eating their breakfast, and they're reading the news, and they have iPads. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned what the military has. I have a friend who is in uh, uh, computers, computer, uh, the, the really high-end computer stuff, the theoretical computer stuff. And he's a contractor for the government, and he says, you know, I can't tell you what's going on, but I have seen stuff that they, they're not even writing about in science fiction today. I don't doubt it. Yeah. I don't he doubt it at the, all. The stuff they're doing blows away, you know, what Tony Stark does. Well, and here's, yeah, that's awesome. And here's the other thing about it. This is the other point I was making this week in, in social media posts and everything, talking about people. Here's the problem. If you push that kind of technology too advanced, that it almost becomes fantasy, then you're probably still going to come up short because it'll be beyond right. that by the time we get there. But it'll seem unbelievable because it's so beyond where it is now, even though it's changing right. so fast, right? right. And, then number, and then number two, when you do that, the story quits being about what the story is about and becomes about that. The way, right. I, the way I put it on Facebook was you're trying to write Space 1999 and you're writing Ready Player One. Right. Because it becomes all about the interactive technology, the goggles, the whatever. I don't want to write, I'd I'd love to write Ready Player One, but this book is not (laughs) supposed to be that. This is not a book about future interactive technology. It's a book about Babylon 5 or Space 1999 level military, you know, sci-fi. And so all that stuff is, it's like, like one writer came on and told me, he says, well, don't even try to explain it. Just have that they do it. And I'm like, I said, that works for the engine or the guns, but I'm talking about the communications. You have to show it. You know, I said, this this isn't like what's under the hood of the car. This is the steering wheel and the gear shift. It you can't not you can't not explain it. 
What do well, I do say? He called up Joe on Mars and they had a conversation. No, I have to say he got out his what you call it and he opened it up and he contacted him. I, you have right. to. You can't. You can't well, do a, a, a near future sci-fi if you don't even my, tell how they're calling them. Right. One of my favorite authors, and and I believe one of yours as well, William Gibson, um, in New Romancer, he would just drop. <laughs> I love the look on your face. He would just drop technology. He he wasn't a technology guy. He would just drop references throughout, just sprinkle it throughout the novel, doing exactly what you're saying. You know, people calling somebody else or doing just all the mundane things would drop it and not explain it. And you'd be like, whoa, wait a minute. What was that? And then he would just go on and then just not even explain it. So it gave... And he said he had to do that because he, he's not a science guy. He was just yeah. making stuff up just to make it sound like magic. I, and, at, yeah, that, that would be the only way to do it. Because if you try to get too technical and make it too far out, people reading I, it today will be like, that's nonsense. That'll never happen. I get that. It just it still doesn't work for me because it's like, it's like if you're doing a, a movie about D-Day and you don't say that they have walkie-talkies or radios. Right. I, get I you. mean, you, how how are they communicating with their with the, with the base and everything? You got, I mean, you got to have some. I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. But anyway, right. <laughs> that that this that made me think about it because Babylon Five has tried. Has, we've we've addressed a few times over the over the show, and Garibaldi getting out of bed and being all put out to have to get up to answer the phone was right. just like such a great example. Especially yeah. when it was an audio call after he did all that, <laughs> right? Right. There and was I, no picture. The whole he did he yeah. did the whole getting up and getting dressed thing, and then he there was it was an audio call. Well, and I think they made a point at some point in the episodes to say that there is there's no picture of this guy. Right. He's in the public has seen this guy, so that I think was to emphasize that. I will point out that it was funny to see it happening to somebody other than Ivanova. Though. Ivanova. <laughs> Yes. Oh, that's that's right. We have documented on this program that Ivanova always gets woken up right. in the middle of the night. That's so right. good. Yeah. All right. Few other things here. Um, the Temple of Vereni, where the Starfire Wheel took place. You know, season five. No spoiler, but season five is called the Wheel of Fire. So think how well it would have fit in if they could have uh, made this whole thing yeah. stretch into season five. It would have been nice, but obviously there was problems there. Um, so. Uh, so it was established the Starfire Wheel would consume the opposing leaders in fire. Whichever one was willing to die for the rightness of their side would remain in the fire until death. That cast would lead. I noted that Delenn was back wearing her green war dress from Severed Dreams earlier in this episode, but then she changes into her kind of Japanese purplish outfit right. before the end. So she wears two of her iconic outfits in this episode, which I thought was neat. I much it prefer should, the green one it, to the purple one, by the way. It should be pointed out that Nehrun was the only one that died in the, the Starfire Wheel, but he converted to religious caste right before he died. He did, and so it was, yeah, it was religion that was the one willing to, yeah. Right. Yeah, I've got something else about that coming up, I think. Um, All right. Oh, I had a note. Didn't we just go through a whole ordeal last episode where the religious cast members were afraid Delenn was going to surrender surrender, and they were going to kill her and themselves to prevent it? And then in this yeah. episode, she says, I'm going to go surrender. And they're like, cool. Well, that's because, and that goes to it being so truncated. Yeah. Uh, they only touched on it, but the warrior cast had pretty much destroyed half of Minbar, bombed yeah. cities. To, to nothingness and had killed, you know, just millions of, of Minbari. 
So it 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 didn't. It was just briefly mentioned at the beginning, but this war has advanced to the point where the the religious caste had to surrender, or they were just going to be completely eradicated. Whatever happened to Mimbari? Do not kill Mimbari. Right. That went out the window. That went out the window when she broke the Great Council. I think I'm you know the the Ware cast wasn't necessarily wrong in their their reasoning. They were wrong in how they how they carried it out. They they were doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. Because he said at one point in time, Sh- Shakiri, Shakira, Shakira, Shakiri, Shakira's the dancer, <laughs> said that you know war should not be fought. War should be fought for for realizable gains, not for political reasons, and not for um, I forget exactly how he put it. But he wasn't wrong, you know. Mm. We've been, he said, we we fought these wars for for just these tenuous reasons that the religious caste pulled out of their rear ends, and and it was the wear the wear caste that died for no reason because they ended up surrendering at the end of it anyway. So yeah, I can see where they're coming from, which is good writing. You know, when you when you give the villains a a sympathetic motivation, I think it's good writing. So I I, I like seeing that. They, they didn't make the warrior cast to be the mustache twirling evil dudes. They gave them a legitimate. Especially beef. Nerun. Right. Right. Speaking of Nerun, Nerun turned out to be a quadruple agent. Yeah. Quadruple, druple, druple agent, agent, agent. <laughs> he was. And, 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 and by connection, I was right when I said yeah. that he left with a. That he wasn't entirely on board with the warriors. No, right. he had a, he did have a secret plan with Delin, and he inv- he yep. he kind of revealed that in just a couple of pieces of dialogue that they had planned it all out previously. Right, and you could kind of see it coming a little bit when Nerun started like second guessing Shakiri in their scene. Remember that? Yep. Shakiri says so and so, and and Nerun is like, oh, but I thought you said all life. Don't you think all life is precious, Shakiri? Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, so that was very interesting. But uh, yeah, Nerun was a quadruple agent, and here's how I mean it: he was working for the Warriors, but he's working with Delin, but he was working with the Warriors, but he actually was working with Delin. Right. Quadruple agent. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And this is one of the elements of this this story arc that I I really would have loved to have seen fleshed out a little bit yes. more. Yes, yes. Nerun's character arc could have been so, so epic. So yes, I agree. I mean, because he went from hardcore, I'm going to kill uh, Delenn to prevent her from doing this, to I'm going to sacrifice my life for Delenn so she can continue doing this. And we got glimpses of, of that transition, but I would have loved to have seen the the whole the whole story. I mean. The whole story arc would have, could have been so cool. If I recall correctly, Nerun is a major character in the Dark Distorted Mirror Babylon 5 story, and he does get to do a lot more stuff. And it is a novel, basically, so you get all that right. stuff we were talking about. I kind of want to go back and read that whole thing over again. Wow, it's been 20 years since I read it. I, I want to read that, too. I've got that saved in my... Uh, you, you posted a link at it's one point in time on Facebook, so and I saved long. it. So it's yeah. so long, but it's... Yeah. I once had them like half of it printed out, but I don't Jeez have it Oh, it was like it's like a ream yeah. of paper <laughs> with size eight font. That's which gotta I be like a, see that's gotta be like like two or three hundred thousand words easily. Easily, I think it's yeah. half a million. Yeah, yeah. That's anyway, uh, it's a lot of story. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we haven't gotten much Londo or Jakar now for a while. Not much, a little bit, but not certainly not this episode. Um, 
Oh, I like the idea that Delenn says to Shakiri, the warrior caste started this war, now the religious caste has ended it, which sounds like Sheridan saying, never start a fight, but always finish it. That's pretty cool. Yep. So you can see she's been around Sheridan. Um, I, I'm going to skip a little bit of this stuff. Uh, Nehru, uh, this is an observation by the folks at, at, uh, at the Lurker's Guide. Nerun's sacrifice will probably play much better in the long run than Delenn's death would have. Shakiri's fear and actions brought dishonor to the warrior caste. Had they simply lost to the religious caste, the resentment and stain of dishonor would have remained. By sacrificing himself for Delenn, Nerun gave honor back to the warriors since one of their own remained and died in the star wheel, and his conversion, as you mentioned, to the religious caste assured that the honor would be shared with them as well. Absolutely. I Good thought that, that was just a, a fantastic resolution to that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there, there was no other way to do that with everybody coming out on top. Yeah, and it continues, Nerun's last-minute conversion meant that both a religious and a warrior cast member perished on the wheel, thus technically neither cast won, just as Delenn wanted. Yep. And Nerun was not the first Bimbari to switch cast. You'll recall that Branmer was originally religious cast, but switched to warrior during the Earth Bimbari War, as we found out in the episode Legacies. Um uh, let's see. And then also they mentioned how Nerun's interaction with Delenn always revolves around sacrifice. Uh, when Marcus was ready to sacrifice himself to protect Delenn, and here he sacrificed himself. Uh, at the end of Gray 17 is missing, Marcus asked Nerun, next time you want a revelation, a revelation, could you possibly find a way that's not quite so uncomfortable? To which they reply, apparently not. <laughs> it certainly was uncomfortable for Nerun. Yeah. My heart is religious. Um, oh, here's the new members of the Grey Council. Dal, right. Dalidi, Burley. These sound like dwarves from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, Mazik and Shaka. Dulan, Katz, Zaka, Nur, and Byrin of the Worker cast. Yeah. This you know that? Oh, good. Th they should have chosen another name for that military, the second military person, because Shaka threw me because it was too close to Shakiri. Shaka Zulu. Well, no, because when, when, when they introduced Shaka of the military, I, mm. I for, for yeah. a minute I was like, "Is that Shakiri? Wait, did yeah, no, that's, he, not, that's was he invited? Well, so. and by naming them, and we did not get Shakiri. Shakiri is no longer even on the Grey Council. Right. He survived. Yeah. He got mild abrasions. I mean, it burns yeah. like burns, you know. Um, this episode takes place around August 3rd, 2261. August 3rd is a recurring date in the series. August 3rd, 2258 was the date of the initial May Day from the Raiders in Signs and Portents. August 3rd, 2260 was the date the Shadows began attacking openly in interludes and examinations. And August 3rd, 2261 was the date in Bester's log entry in this episode. That's interesting. I wonder if there's some relevance to that date to JMS. Yeah, it's, I think that dates mean something to him because obviously I've always wondered what the significance of 2258 through 2262 were, why he picked mm -hmm. those five years. Um, if they are per related to like his lifetime, then that would be 1958 through 1962, so right up through the assassination of John F. Kennedy in 63. Right. So you would have thought that know. the pr President Clark would have taken over in November of 1960, uh, in 2263. Hmm. hmm. Um, 
in the last one is in the original U.S. broadcast, the the cruiser firing on the commercial transports was the Agamemnon, Sheridan's old ship. Ooh, snap! They 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 made a mistake. They had put it in. They had a they had like borrowed a clip from some other episode or something that had the Agamemnon. And then they had not changed it. And what was funny was that apparently somebody on one of the message boards immediately asked JMS, you know, was that the Agamemnon? He goes, no, no, it wasn't the Agamemnon. Are you crazy? He just, like, let them have it that it was not the Agamemnon. And then he says, oh, I went back and watched it, and, uh, yeah, it was the Agamemnon. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) So he says... He says, don't expect it'll still say Agamemnon the next time you see it, basically. So he went and changed it, yeah. Interesting. Uh, Unanswered questions, Andy. Lita uses the term Pac-Ma. Is that the home world of the Pac-Ma-Ra? That's that's what I took it to mean. Okay. I had to look it up in the encyclopedia. I didn't spend all that money on the encyclopedias to never look anything up, but I never look. I rarely (laughs) ever look anything up. Because you never look anything up. Apparently I did. That's right. I'll go look it up. So Pac-Ma. what did Delin mean by the next leader of the Gray Council would be the one who is to come? Uh, according to Zathras, the one who will be is Sheridan, but that doesn't seem right. There are other good candidates that I'm putting in spoiler space. Okay. So let's hold off I on that. that. I, I, that, that got my attention, too, when she said that. I'm like, wait a minute, who's that? Well, you notice how they would always say, like, we are, this is spot is prepared for Valen who will come back or return or whatever. Right. So, it would be interesting if they think Valen's coming back and it'll be the next leader of the Grey Council. But that's just total pulling out of my butt. I have actual concrete guesses that I have in spoiler space, but they are all definitely right. spoilers. I look um, forward to that. All right. Uh, let's see. So why is Scott Adams on this episode? There is a press release. Dilbert creator Scott Adams appears on Babylon 5. Cartoonist drops in on what he calls the best television show ever made. Um, earlier this it- year... Uh, Dilbert, his character Dilbert, listed his favorite shows for TV Guide and picked Babylon 5 as his top choice, the best TV show ever made. Producers later contacted Adams to discuss appearing in an episode, and despite pressing deadlines for his latest book, the cartoonist jumped at the chance. Quote, Babylon 5 is the only show I schedule my time around. No matter how busy I am, I won't book anything when Babylon 5 is on. So when they asked me if I was interested in being on, I said, of course. I mean, how often do you get to be on a TV show, let alone your favorite show? Um, They had talked to him about playing an alien. Quote, but as it turns out, I play a human, a slightly deranged human, but a human nonetheless. And he says, uh, there's a bunch of summary. Attending to Adam's needs in the episode is his silent Minbari aide, played by Adam's real-life girlfriend, Pam Okazaki. Quote, I'm, I'm glad Pam had to be the alien and not me. With all that makeup, I didn't want to get all that sticky stuff in my hair. He said he had a blast and uh, he had to apply for a Screen Actors Guild card in order to participate. <laughs> uh, he also gathered information for his next book. And uh, all right, that's pretty much the sum of it. But yeah, I thought was that the, was interesting. At the height of his popularity, or at least his character's popularity. Yeah, and then, of course, there's today. About yeah, which the he, less said, the better. He, yeah, he took the, the rocket to Wackadoodle Planet. He took the jump gate to Wackadoodle right. Planet. <laughs> he blew up the jump gate to Wackadoodle Planet. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, unanswered questions. What will happen to Shakiri? Does he still lead the Warrior cast? Well, clearly he doesn't because he's not even on the Great Council, right? Right. Or do you? can you lead the cast and not be on the Great Council? That doesn't seem... I don't know. I don't know. I don't Maybe know. it's like being question. president versus being a member of Congress or something. That could be. I don't know. Well, we don't so know. I, it was, I, 
I have an unanswered question. When, when you're done with yours, I have one. Okay. I got like three or four more. Uh, what were Delenn's secret instructions to Lanier? We'll never know unless it's some, right. someday revealed. Uh, what is Bester's real plan for Garibaldi? It seems awfully complicated. He's definitely more involved than we might have guessed before. How many Earth ships have now gone over to the Resistance? We don't know, but apparently some are. Yep. Um, Sheridan's insistence that Lita move to smaller quarters to help the station stay financially afloat is somewhat hypocritical given his refusal to do the same thing in a race through dark places. Yep. Lita made the same argument Sheridan did against being forcibly moved. Her value to the station entitles her to special treatment. It's worth noting that Zach said the order came from station resources, not from Sheridan. But presumably, if there were a reasonable chance Sheridan would overturn the order, Zach would have asked him before going to Lita, and that did not happen. You and I have said many times before, Lita is like a nuclear warhead, and they are not treating her with the respect or the care that she deserves until the next time they need her to do something. Right. Yep. Yeah, and this this episode really emphasized that. I mean, it first one that really hits you over the head with it. Yes, but not the last. All right, right. last last unanswered question. Given Bester's presence on the station, was Zach even relaying a real order? Bester might have planted the belief in Zach's head without Zach even knowing. Whoa. Yes, and you know what? I totally buy that because he 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 wanted her broke. Yeah. In every Holy sense of the word, cow. unfortunately. Holy cow. Maybe the I whole thing was that. a was an evil plot by Al Bester. So now I have two unanswered questions because right there at the end, after he ticked off, after he scanned Garibaldi and was walking away, yeah. he walks around the corner and Zach's there waiting for him with a smile on his face. What was that all about? Yeah. I didn't, I mean, was Zach like smiling because, hi, I caught you doing something bad and I'm going to kick you off the station? It seemed like it, what, but then he didn't. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He didn't. I don't know. My other unanswered question is, what exactly is the Starfire Wheel? What, did we ever get any... Is this the first mention of it? Because they just kind of pulled this out of nowhere yeah. and said, okay, yes. you, you jump in and you... you Pulled out of nowhere. It's a hole in the roof. Yeah, the hole. But what's... I mean, is that actual sunlight being focused with lenses i mean what is that a nuclear reactor up there i don't it, it, it's ancient and has don't some know. sort of religious meaning to them but i i they just they never really touch on it it's like a deus ex machina exactly that's again that's one where if there'd been another episode in between here we could have been introduced to it innocuously right. and 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 know what to expect from it so it doesn't just come out of nowhere right yeah, it, it again. It, the whole the whole resolution with Shakiri and Nerun and Delin happened about twelve. The last twelve minutes. Yep. Not counting the stinger at the end, right? Great. And that's just way too little. All right, JMS speaks. I have a few things from JMS. There are some JMS speaks. I have moved to spoiler space. We actually have several spoiler space things for once this episode. Good. Um. Um. Did Nerun really realize he belonged in the religious caste, or did he just do it for Delenn's sake? JMS says, whether it was true or not, he knew his actions would bring the cast back together. So out of respect for the dead, best to leave the issue unresolved and accept Nerun's gesture for what it was. So even JMS doesn't know the actual motivations right. in Nerun's heart, and that's fine. 
What was wrong with Walter Koenig's hand? JMS says, as for Walter, he made the decision to play Bester with a deformed or useless hand, which he's compensating for as a teep, as a telepath. So he's always played it as having a messed up hand. I didn't realize that. And they said, then how does he put his gloves on? And JMS says, ask Walter. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um... He, JMS compliments Walter getting a chance to play a different kind of character, which certainly we've always said. Right. You know, as Chekhov, we love Chekhov, but he's kind of a one-note, limited character, whereas this allows a, a greater range of performance out of uh, right. Walter Koenig. You know he loved, he oh, loved yeah. playing this character. Come on. Uh, were Delenn and Nerun secretly in contact, or was the whole plan worked out in advance? JMS says they worked. They were worked out in advance, and the instructions were for posthumous use. I guess that was a little scroll thing. So they were definitely, he definitely was a quadruple agent, and they had a plan. Right. Uh, did Delenn's instructions include a message for Sheridan? Almost certainly. <laughs> There's that yeah. famous phrase again. Are any members of the old Grey Council on the new one? Yes, some of the new council would have been on the old one, but I probably get, but, but not Shakiri, or we would know. Right. Probably the wor- or at least three the workers. Of the workers. Yes, yeah. yeah, probably so. Um, the Gray Council structure visually is designed to bring the Starfire Wheel to mind. Valen, being something of a smart cookie, figured it would be wise to tie in whatever he was doing to the traditions that preceded him. So they're arranged in a circle with a series of, light, series of lights above them, and the one central light for Ducat, for instance, reserved for the one who had endured and grown to leadership, but through a somewhat less violent means. So in other words, Valen took them away from the Starfire Wheel to other ways of choosing a leader. Delenn kind of took them back to resolve this big conflict. Um, Somebody asked why was Lita refusing to scan Garibaldi, but was willing to scan the Centauri in passing through Gethsemane. JMS says it's an inconsistency because humans are inconsistent. But it's only an inconsistency subject to Lita's rationalizations, which are quite reasonable. And so then right. he goes into details. Well, she even said in the episode, if it were somebody I didn't know, yeah, you know, I, I might, I might do it. But right. Uh, let's see. Why didn't Lita go to Sheridan for help? JMS says, I think Lita had just emotionally gotten to the place where she had to do something on her own rather than continuing to rely on the kindness of strangers. And why would she go to Sheridan for help? He he is totally dister yeah. at every opportunity. And as far as she knows, he gave the order to move her out. Exactly. Which may have been Bester now we know, but Right. Man, uh, that's a mind job right there. Holy crap, it, I didn't think of that. It, it, I didn't either. Uh did Bester tell Edgar's that Garibaldi had hired Lita? In other words, who was it that told Edgar's Garibaldi had hired hired a telepath? Oh, totally Bester. And and JMS says no. What? It was not Bester. I guess Bester and Eggers are not in communication with each other. Holy crap. Bear in mind, JMS continues, bear in mind that Eggers also has Wade working for him right there on the station, and he is more or less Garibaldi's liaison with Eggers, so logically that would be a source of information. That is why I think, I add, that Bester was so delighted with how things worked out he said he called it like a bank shot or something, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He said, I was able to basically do something I wanted with Lita and hurt yeah, Garibaldi or whatever at the yeah. at the same time. So. Yep. But he didn't know anything about Edgar's, I don't think. Interesting. Um, is Edgar's really Bester? 
JMS says, not a chance. Eggers is played by Ephraim Zimblis Jr., which by itself precludes that. All right. Did you have anything else? Nope. I asked my, my two unanswered questions. All yep. right. That gets us to the high point of this episode. High point for me was the uh, the creation of the new Grey Council. I thought that was a really cool resolution to the, the, the Minbari conflict and... I, I, I thought it was cool. I wish there were more build up to it or, or a little bit more meat to it, but I thought it was it was a really really neat way of, of resolving the uh, the issue, resolving the, the whole Minbari Civil War. I thought it was cool. The and it num- was well done. The numbers deal on the Great Council kept making me think of the US Supreme Court. Because <laughs> you got nine and you're trying to figure out the numbers. And five, two, two works as well as anything. Right. I I thought it was really well acted. I think it was one of our backers. I think it was Pete Furman mentioned on Facebook that uh, Nehrun should get the uh, Ari Benzane. We should revive the Ari Benzane award for for Nehrun. I thought, you know, I I was thinking, man, I was cringing a little bit watching this. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, here it comes. And then that scene, I'm like, dude, I thought he did a fantastic job. I did too. I, I, I don't see any overacting at all. I thought it was great. I mean, it was certainly, but it was right. as it should well, it, have been. Right, as it, right. It was a pretty momentous moment. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, my high point of the episode was along those same lines: Delenn defeating Shakiri in the Starfire Wheel. Yep. And him <laughs> catching him smoldering and jumping out right. like a little little wimp after two seconds. She, she was in she there for pretty bad. Okay, I did mention earlier, but I didn't mention it. I had it in my note that Delenn had a, quite a suntan by the time it was yes, done. Yes, she did. She, I but, mean, she didn't have like a Mr. Morden suntan, but she had a pretty no, good suntan. That's, yeah. On, a, on an SPF scale, Morden is like a 10 out of 10. Delenn was All like right. an 8, 7 or 8. Um, <laughs> but did you notice Delenn was in the Starfire wheel fire for like a long time before anybody else even got in? Yeah. And then she stayed in a long time after everybody else got out, except for Nehru at the very end. And she was fine, more or less. She had to be picked up at the end, but it finally caught up to her. Shakiri was a big, tough. Shakiri was in there for like two seconds and just couldn't and had to had to tag out. Well, Delenn knew what she was going to do, so she put some sunscreen on before she went in there. <laughs> I don't doubt it. She uh, she was prepared. Shakiri was like white as a sheet on the beach. <laughs> He's red. Delenn yeah. had been Delenn had been hitting the uh, the the self tanner for for a few weeks prepping That's for this. That's so good. That's so good. All right. What was your low point of this episode? Who golly, low point for for me was the very end there when Lita was putting on the the psychor the psychor gear. Oh, oh, yes. because you just felt for her all episode. I mean, she she deserved better, so much better. And it, when when she told Bester off at that one point. She said, I'd rather put a gun to my head and pull the trigger than join Psychor again. You're like, yes, way to go, mm-hmm. Lita. Way to stand up for, oh, no. And she they, and she was even destroyed while she was putting it on. You could yes. see that the, you know, the, the character was, was in tears while she was putting it on. It was so it was, it was, that was tough to see. No, that's exactly right. That's the correct answer. Um, I also noted among the low points was Scott Adams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a low point, too. Retroactively, for sure. Yes. Um, most Babylon Five scene. I had man, I had two for this, and yeah, I, I, was... I can't decide which was more Babylon Five. So I said the Starfire wheel scene. Yep, that's what I because that 
Yep, and I had the very last scene when Sheridan gets all upset and declares war on Clark. Yeah, that was that was really a Babylon Five scene. Well, let me just transition right over then, because you you nailed my most Babylon Five scene is the whole Starfire Wheel thing. That just seemed very like a JMS solution is to have some big cosmic thing that yep. settles the matter and everything, and that's good. But my favorite character moment was Susan and Sheridan so angry at the end at Clark. Susan comes in and can't even tell him what's wrong at first. She's so upset. Right. right. And then when she does tell him, now Sheridan is so upset, he's ready to fight the whole Earth Alliance by himself. So the two of them right. were just pulling their hair out. I will note he was not blown to hell upset, though. <laughs> Send them all to hell. Straight to hell, Susan. So what was your favorite character moment? My favorite character moment was uh, Zach and Lita, their interaction oh, um, yeah. when he went to see her at the in her room. I thought that was really cool because you could tell that there were two people that were orbiting mm. around wanting a relationship, but they weren't there yet. Um, you know, they had the, the, the close contact. She was touching them on the arm and stuff like that. So I thought it was really well acted and really well written. And you could tell that there are two people that were could have been, should have been, but probably aren't. I mean, she invites him to come ha- to come in and have dinner with her. Right. Yep. And it's just heartbreaking that he's like, no, I'm here to kick you out. Right. And then yeah. she's like, but I just got it all set up. Because you remember, right. it was doubly heartbreaking because she had to live in it all that time with the Vorlons making her have like bare walls yeah. and everything and no furniture. Right. And she finally is free and able to put her own furniture in there and hang pictures on the walls and everything. And then here comes somebody that cares about her that she cares about. And his job is to to stab her in the back basically and he it, and it's and he right. knows it and it sucks and it's so petty too just oh yes yeah yeah really disappointing on so many yep. levels yeah that 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 was um yeah that was my low point too so all right um funniest moment not a lot of huge funny moments this episode there weren't but i have i have two of them again for this when uh uh Bester's talking to Lita and one of the requirements for her to, to get her, her psycho reading back says, I want your body. And she just <laughs> looks at him like, no, that's gross. And he's like, no, 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 not like that. <laughs> not while you're alive. Yeah, which is kind of even worse. Even worse, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but the, the one that I had to scratch that one out and put this one when, um, oh, I forget who had this line. I, I, it was Garibaldi said, uh, and then she need me to find out what happened to your personality to best her. <laughs> I thought that was a really good Garibaldi line. That was funny. That is good. My funniest moment, and it takes me back to something I mentioned at the top, is Garibaldi having to keep getting up in the middle of the night and, and right. get dressed to answer the phone. That I mean, again, it's like Susan's karma all c- coming down on Michael for a change, yeah. and that was pretty funny because it's usually Susan that's right. So. All right, Andy, who won this episode? And there's several winners and there's several losers. I have multiple both. Do you? Okay. I, well, well, I think I, this. I, I think this episode has very. De- you know, some episodes we have to really reach to find winners and losers. Right. Right. That this episode has very, very clear winners and losers. I thought the Minbari people were clear winners. The who? Because the Minbari people. Oh, the people in general. Because okay. Because the, the civil war was resolved. They got their government back. And they aren't being dominated by one cast, and the warriors are being represented better now. So I thought that was a clear win for for Minbar. No, I I can't argue with that. So yeah, I think Delin won because she got everything she wanted out of it. Right, right. 
she it all played out the way that she kind of engineered, although for a while it didn't yeah. look like it was going to work out that way, but it did. Right. And the other big winner this episode, I think, is Bester. That's a good point. Yeah, because he, he got everything he wanted, man. He got everything he, he wanted. That's yeah. a good point. I didn't even think of that. Um, yeah. Um, those are the, I think those are the probably the two sets. Or, yeah, the, the, the Minbari, the Lin, uh, certainly not. Uh, well, we'll get to them. All right, so right. who lost this episode? Because I've got even more losers than I had winners. Um, I put Lita. Lita lost, as, as no doubt. Big loser, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. Shakiri lost. Yes, he did. Big loser. Yep. The Warrior cast lost. They, yep. they, they won in that it was better for them, honestly, but they are not going to see it that way, right? The Warrior cast had control of the entire Minbari Empire in their hands, and they ended up, a, you know, 12 minutes later, they were two members of the council. <laughs> right. So there's no way they won anything. They were lucky to get that, is what how they won. They did win in a way because they got the... They got their main goal was to get the control of the government out of religious hands. Yeah. And they did that. They That's they true. effective they, they affected that change for sure because <laughs> just now, not into theirs <laughs> just right just not into theirs but at least the, the the main conflict was the religious people making the decisions to go to war the warrior caste having to fight the war but now it's the workers who have control so well, the religious caste won't be making those decisions anymore that's true and well the funny thing is you say it's that the warriors were mad the religious caste made the decision to go to war it was really more the warrior caste was mad when the religious caste made the decision to stop being at war. Right, right. That's, that's what really point. ticked them off. That's been, yeah. man, that's been brewing under the surface for them since 22, yeah. 40. 13, 13 years now. <laughs> yeah, I remember 47 or whatever it was, yeah. yeah. I think 2247, right? Because cause the, uh, the, the, the gathering takes place in 2257 and season one takes place in 2258. And the war was 10 years earlier, so 2248, right. I guess 2247, 2248 was the Earth Minbari War. Okay. Um, and then, oh, I have another loser. Who's that? Garibaldi. Yeah. Yeah. So there were a lot of losers this time around. There were. It was, it was a, and, and uh, yeah, it was a hard episode to watch. And I mean, to some degree, I don't, I don't, I think Sheridan and, and Ivanova at the end weren't winners or losers. They're just in moments of transition. Another, This is another of those moments of transition where they go from being kind of in a cold war to possibly in a shooting war very rapidly. Right. All right. So what everybody waits to hear, what is your rating out of five on this episode? So this was another episode, like I was talking about earlier, where it had a lot of really cool scenes and cool bits and pieces to it. Yes. But it seemed very disjointed because it was like they pulled a bunch of Lego pieces from other sets to build this thing. So, But that being said, it did have some really, really cool stuff in it. Um, yeah. I gave it a 3.5. The answer is 3.5. You are correct. We, we are of like minds. 3.5. Yep. I would have loved to give it a 4, but the reasons that you cited dropped it down a little bit. But yep. I could not drop it all the way down to 3 because it seemed too big and too important of an episode and had too many good Same. moments in it to be. So Same. Right and, and the acting I thought was spectacular throughout the whole thing. I mean, everybody oh, yeah. had strong performances. I didn't love Shakiri, but he was okay. I thought he was pretty good. 
Funny thing he is, across, he didn't huh? come across as as evil just for evil's sake. Like I said, he had you know he he had good motivations or at least understandable motivations, yeah. and I think he expressed those without being you know like really just black hearted evil. No, I agree. Yeah, he wasn't. You're right. He he wasn't a cartoon character. He had some depth, right. a little bit of depth to him. I would have liked more depth, and then we've talked about that pretty much. Um, right. Interesting thing: the P5 rating, if you if you made it into one of our ratings, would be about a four point three five. So we continue to be almost a full point below. Right. And it's not us being like thinking we're all hot stuff or anything because we agreed. We didn't. This is the first time we shared this, and we agreed. So. Yeah. We, you know, P five for us, this would be a seven, and they gave it an eight point right. seven. So, well, and I think we've addressed that before too, because yeah. watching this the first time around, I, I remember being blown away by it. Yes, because yeah. it was the end of the Minbari Civil War, and because it was the declaration of war. Again, really cool bang pow moments. But looking at it now from a writer's perspective, as a story, as as a beginning, middle, and end of an episode, it just didn't hold together as well. So let me quickly thank our patrons, and then we will get to our last couple of, uh, of features. We have to thank the following folks. And if you go to www.b5review.com, you can find uh, links to our various episodes previously. Plus, you can find the big button that you click to become a patron and help us out. Here are the fine folks who currently keep the program alive. They include Allison Rich, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzine. I am missing my category, mister. Leah G, Rich Hammett, Ben, I'm all caught up now, so I have to wait for new episodes, Rose. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> Debbie, no spoilers, Norris, Dragon Condolin, Emmanuel Seaman, Jalza, Mondo 6, Michael O'Connor, Middle Age Geek Tim, amen, Tim, uh, Pete, the real reason Van avoids saying Dragon Con Furman, uh, Steve Palmer, welcome back, guys. Andy has suffered enough regarding his War Without End rating. <laughs> Amen Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Stu Parker, the Geek Boy, Una Vez, and Una Luna Azul, Jaquan and Only, I love that, Heather and Yancey Steingraber, Ice Cream Clone with the Boba Fett head, and Michael Halbrook, thank you all so very, very much for continuing to support our program. Uh, Andy, we actually have no patron comments this week. What? I was kind of surprised. Yeah, nobody had anything to say about... Uh, uh, wow. What was the last one? It was uh, Rumors, Bargains, and Lies. Yeah. Yes. Um, but we do have a little bit of spoiler stuff, so let me go ahead and say our next installment. In two weeks, we will cover 415, No Surrender, No Retreat, the episode that gives this season its overall title. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to go through the jump gate and we get on the other side. We will be talking spoilers. You have been warned. Jump gate activated. Not for why you can, the monkey boy. <laughs> All right, we are in spoiler space. All right, here's a couple of JMS questions that I thought needed to be on this side of the spoiler jump gate. Someone asked JMS, if you had been 100% sure there would be a season five, would this have been the season four finale? And JMS says, no, this could never have been the finale for season four. And I note, as you noted earlier, that we now know 
it would have been 418 intersections in real time. So there's right. four episodes in this season that would have been in season five, but that's a little disingenuous because I think some stuff would have been spread out and it wouldn't have been a one-for-one substitution. You know, In other words, exactly. there might have been more than four that got moved. You'd have just, like the whole Mimbari Civil War might have been in season five and you just right. move intersections in real time to the end. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, they asked, somebody asked about who is supposed to be the person to take over the Great Council, the one who is to come. Yep. Here is a great suggestion someone made. David Sheridan. <laughs> because while I don't think that's what the character would be doing, I, I, I've always imagined David Sheridan as being more like a John Sheridan Jr. than somebody who's just going to go ride around on a Minbari cruiser and stand in a gray robe in the spotlight all the time, right? But he would have been a great choice in that he is descended from all three of the one. Ooh. How about that? I never thought of that. Wow. He's the That's child cool. of John and Delenn, and he's descended from Valen, who is You know, I, I think we see no picture of John Sheridan. I think when he was born, he looked just like Zathras. I think <laughs> he, was the, he was the original Zathras. Who is that? John Sher- or uh, David Sheridan. David. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I've, I've always been curious what David must have looked like because, like, I w- I've just finished watching Voyager, Star Trek Voyager, for the first time. Yeah. And there's a bit where um, Tom Paris tells somebody, you know, he's having a baby with the half Klingon lady, Belana. Yeah. Right. Right. And he says. She has my eyes and and my wife's bone crest. <laughs> and I'm wondering if David Sheridan would have been like that. How human would yeah. he have been? How Mimbari would he have been? That's that's interesting. We'll never know. But remember, I've always said the actor I wanted to play David Sheridan if they had done it back in the day was Ben Browder. I think Ben Browder right. would have been perfect. Back in the day, but not yeah. anymore. He's a little bit old now. A little bit old now. We all, aren't we all? Um, aren't we all? Yes. Oh, oh, and then my last thing, this is, the, this is the end of the spoiler space for me. Someone asked, will John Vickery, who played Nerun, will he return perhaps as Mr. Wells again from the fall of night? And JMS says, no, not as that role, but we're definitely open to using him in other roles, as with Wayne Alexander, to which I say, wrong, because right. he John does. John Vickery's not open to it. <laughs> he does play Mr. Wells again. D- does he? In Crusade. Oh, snap. That's right. He comes back in Crusade as Mr. Wells, the exact same that's character. That's right. I was going to say, I, 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 the way John Vickery kind of tries to brush his Babylon 5 stuff off to the side. Yeah. But he maybe. does. He oh. And he has a great... I remember it because I love Crusade. I can't... I'm, I'm not. I, it's not that I can't wait till we get to do Crusade because that'll mean right. we're done with Babylon Five and that'll be sad and depressing. But I am looking forward to it. And there's a I am I am too. And there's a bit where they ask that character on that Crusade episode. They're like, "Didn't you used to work for Clark?" <laughs> and he's like, eh, "You got to be flexible in my line of work." Right. You know, right. <laughs> he's kind of like uh, Richelieu. Like he worked for the king and then he worked for Napoleon right. and then he worked for the king again. You know, he's like, hey, "Whoever's in charge, I'm, I just work for. Him. I'm a bureaucrat, basically." I like that about Mr. Wells. Yeah, Vane. I don't know if I've ever confessed this before on on air, but uh, I've only watched Crusade once. Whoa! As it, as it aired. Whoa! Well, I'll send you the DVDs or something. 
Well, I mean, if it's available online, I'll buy it online. I'm I don't know if it that, is. Is it? Is it on? Is it available? I don't know. I'll, I'll look. Huh? I haven't really thought about it in a long time. I, since I have my own copies, I've right. just never really thought about looking to see if it was anywhere. But that's interesting. It might be on Apple if nowhere else. But I don't know. It might anyway, be, yeah, I'll look. All right. Well, that gets us to the end of uh, moments of transition. Any final thoughts about this episode, Andy? Uh, no, sir. I think we've had a pretty thorough discussion. Yeah, pretty much. Another. I, I, I still don't. I still don't know how we ever did more than one episode in an hour. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I just don't. I don't know how we did it. We, we covered some add a, big ones. We had, we had a, we we digress a lot more than what we used to. We did. <laughs> we we do. We do. But I think hopefully our 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 listeners enjoy it. So. Right. Well, I don't know we we didn't get any listener comments after the last episode, so maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe nobody. Yeah, it may be that nobody's listened to the new to the most recent one yet. So anyway, all right. Well, our our patrons will get this one on probably June 9th. And it will go up for the general public on Monday, June 12th. So there you All right. go. All right. Cool. I think we shouldn't test the patience of our listeners anymore. We'll go ahead and get on out of here. And we will see you yeah. guys in two weeks for uh, No Surrender, No Retreat. Sounds All right. good. Take, take it easy, Andy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. You too, man. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.